0: Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. We've really let the greeting time go way too long recently, and we're we're going to call it back. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> um, my name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here at LBCF. If you haven't met me yet, um, you've got a couple weeks in this title. Um, so I would love to talk to you with this title below my name. And then as of next week, I will be stepping down. But I am, I'm grateful to be able to be up here and to be able to teach. It's something that I love. It's something that I'm passionate about. And um, I consider it a joy and an honor to be able to be up here and to see people who have walked me through such amazing moments in my faith and in uh, my journey as well. And then after that, um, if you continue, you will get um, some amazing teaching. As a community, we really value having a teaching team. And so we will invite people up here, and we love to hear the ways that the Holy Spirit is waking things up in, in other people also and how well other teachers, my own kids have told me, I, I like when you teach, but I love when Steve teaches. And then, so it's like, okay, I, I get it, I get it. that Some people have their favorites, right? And so we really value having a teaching team here. And so you'll get a variety of other people that love Jesus up here. And they'll be taking you through um, the vision of our community. So I'd really encourage you uh, to to join in uh, for that. And so for the next two weeks, I had the freedom to just kind of be like, what do I want to teach about in in kind of my last two weeks? And so um, if you know anything about me picking one thing and just sticking to one topic and really being f- focused and thinking small things is not something I do well. So I just decided to go with a, uh, this is going to be like my greatest hits. (laughs) This is going to be, we're just going to do a few things that I'm really passionate about. Like this is, uh, now that's what I call sermons, volume 24. Um, So that's what we're going to be doing for the next two weeks. Today, I want to talk to you about duck hunt. Stick with me. Duck hunt. Something called the Musashi Protein and the, the Gospel. Duck Hunt, the Musashi Protein, and the Gospel. Three things that if, if you leave here and you don't know what they are, I'm just going to put it on you. I'm going to blame you. We're gonna, I'm, I'm going to make sure that we talk about those things. So before we start, though, would you join me in prayer? Lord, we, we come to you as a community Needing, um, an, needing an encounter with you. If all we have is an encounter with words or ideas, Lord, we, we, we need a transformational encounter with you to meet us with all of the things we brought in. All of the things from our past week, from the past month and for many of us who have um, uncertainties that are right in front of us, Lord, would you show us how to approach life in a way that would be pleasing to you, but that would help us to tap into what you called the goodness, the fullness of life. Would you show us and teach us through your word today? In your name, amen. Okay, I have a challenge. This is this is going to be quick. You can use your phones, um, whatever you have to. I want somebody to, to tell me either how many hairs are on the average human head or how duck hunt works, okay? I, I need somebody, and you don't have to tell me what the answer is. Just raise your hand when you have the answer to one of those questions. You can use your phone. You can ask a f- friend, you can telephone, a neighbor. Yes, okay. Which question did you answer? Yes. Oh, I it, it, uh, average of hair. Hairs, okay. What is it? 90,000 to 150,000. Okay. Thank you. That's fantastic. So I want you guys to see that There's a passage in the Bible that says God knows every single hair on your head. And if what we did with that verse was go, oh, okay, God knows 90,000 to 150,000 hairs on my head. We went from having something that was mysterious and big that actually means more than that. And we made it really small and practical and it happened instantly. You had an answer to that like this, right? We have answers. And so, put up my first s- slide. I will not go with I will not pass up this slide and this opportunity to do something random and weird. When I was a kid, I could not and it took me a long time and I carried this question into my adulthood until I had a phone where all of the answers were right here and I was like, "How does Duck Hunt work?" Who here has played this? By the way, I just want to make sure I'm not... Okay, hopefully some of you know how this works. You take this orange plastic gun and you point it at your TV, ducks fly across and and it makes this sound and if you're anything like me, you'd get right up close to the TV and you'd make sure you were following it, right? (laughs) Because you just had to do that. But I never understood how does this work, right? There's no lasers coming off of the thing. I was like, and even if there were, I wouldn't understand. I don't understand most of anything, but I couldn't understand how this worked until I was like, oh, I can just look up the answer. And the answer is so practical and easy when you click it. The whole screen for a very short time turns black except for one white spot. And so it has a sensor on the gun that says either there's a light coming in or there's not, and it will tell the computer and the thing and all of the other things that I don't understand. But what happened was I learned and we learn to run away from mystery as fast as possible. We learn and we have the tools to have the answers to all of our things now. So what happens when we have questions about life that we don't have easily Google questions to ask? And what happens when we have questions that are going to take us some time? What happens if maybe a question that you have for your whole life never gets answered? Maybe there's a grief that happened where there's no answer that could possibly satisfy what happened, and you carry that question your whole life. Life. And so if we take this habit that we have to run from mystery, we can actually t- change this side. I was <laughs> like, I'm going to get very distracted by Nintendo being on this thing the whole time too. If we don't learn how to embrace mystery as a part of how we live, as a part of how we read the uh, Bible, and as a part of how we just move through our everyday we will miss the point. We'll miss the point if all of this in The Bible tells us that he will throw your sins as far as the east is from the west. And we go, well, how far is that? I want to see how far he can throw. We're missing it. We're missing it. He's inviting us into something where we don't have to have the answer now. And I was reading because we have just wrapped up a portion of our sermon's series where we were talking about the Exodus and how the wandering can turn into wondering. And I was reading the story of Moses as he was receiving the Ten Commandments. And it said that he walked, that Moses walked into the thick darkness where God was. He walked into the thick darkness where God was. And then we have these s- stories of, of everybody trying to find God in the big things, right? The earthquake and the f- fire and the lightning that said that once all that passed, he was in the whisper. And then we'll see that sometimes he will sh- show up through an earthquake. He will show up through f- fire He will show up in these other ways. And I think the reason that it's so not repetitive is because the invitation is to say, I don't know. This is a mystery. My favorite Celtic poet starts a book, his his most famous book of poetry, in the opening line, which I love so much, it says, it's a strange thing to be here strange thing to be here on this earth, alive. There's weird things, things that we don't have answers for. And it is unfortunate for our faith and as Christian people that we have the ability and the tendency to run from things which call us to mystery. I want to play a video that I think articulates this pretty well. Um, It is a Video that outlines the story of a Chinese farmer. And so we can play that really quick.
1: I need you to download this tape, this Sandy Beach tape. Sandy Beach is a, a, a big speaker. Uh, uh, and in, in, this, in this... What was in, the speech? Yeah, the speech was he was talking about this, this Chinese farmer. And uh, this Chinese farmer and his son, they're picking radishes about the ground. And they don't own the land that they're farming off of. And uh, they're barely subsisting. They're giving 70% to the landowner. They're living off of 30% of these radishes. Their whole financial legacy is tied up into this workhorse. And one day, and the son is really working the land because the man is too old. And one day the workhorse runs up off the hill. He, he just off, he's up the hill. And the son runs into the house and he shakes his dad up and he says, dad, you're not gonna believe this. Is a, this is a travesty. We're gonna die out here. Uh, I can't get these radishes to grow unless I turn this land over and I can't move that hoe without the horse. And the horse is gone this is a nightmare and the old man non looks at his son he goes I don't know what this is son I don't know if it is a nightmare I can't call it and the son thinks his dad's out to lunch like ambivalent or something's wrong or he's too old and a couple days later the kid is chilling on the porch and he sees the horse running down the hill with 50 wild stallions behind him and they run into the paddock and he locks the paddock and he runs inside and he hits the dad he's like man this is Radishes like we're rich, you know, we're, we're in the horse business, we're in the horse trading business now. This is a miracle, dad. I'm gonna go tell everybody we're trading horses now. And the father looks at his son, nonplussed again, says, I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's a miracle. I can't call him. And a couple more days pass, and the son's trying to break these horses down, domesticate these horses. He doesn't know anything about horses, a radish farmer. So, I, one of the horses ain't having it. He rears up, kicks him in his leg. It's like 1400s China, there's no Kaiser Permanente. His sh shattered. They wrap him in some like tobacco leaves or some sprinkle some mint on go sit in a chair for a while. And uh and he's wailing, and the townspeople hear about it. And the townspeople run up on the little shack and oh man, what are you gonna do? You know, you can't domesticate these horses, you can't move this hoe. You guys are fully fed. I don't know what you're gonna do, but this is this is pretty much the end, right? Like this is a nightmare. And the old man says, I don't know what this is. He looks at his son's leg, he goes, I don't know what this is, I can't I can't really call it. Uh a couple more days pass, he's sitting with his son, he's trying to calm him down, he's in the middle of pain, and they hear this thunderous noise, and they look up on the ridge line and they see 5,000 samurai on horseback running towards their little hut, and the commanding officer gets off his horse and says, give us your son, we're going to fight the Maoist army, and he looks at his son's leg, and he looks back at the samurai army, and he goes, I would, but he can't get out the chair, you know, he, he can't get on his, he can't, no, I can't, I would, but I can't, he's crippled, and Man gets back on his horse, 8,000 men ride off to their death. And I listen to this tape, and, and I, I, I. So drive that part back of from the, beach back the back. interview can t- continues
0: on, and I played that s- story in here a, a couple other t- times, but it's not. That, there's a few different versions of it, but ultimately, the response to both f- fortune and misfortune can be maybe, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it's not such a bad thing. I don't know. I can't call it. Maybe what we're meant to do as Christian people is say one of the things that has to be built into us is the ability both in the fortune and the misfortune is to wait. Wait on God. Wait on the Lord. Because the alternative is saying, I know exactly what's happening here. And how many of us in our Christian walk over time, have participated in things that we thought were absolutely the way it was supposed to be with certainty. And then maybe give it 10 years, maybe 20 years, and you look back and go, did I need to burn all of my CDs in a fire to prove my faithfulness to Jesus? If any of you are laughing in here, it's because you might have been Christian in the 90s. Many of us (laughs) burned our, and I don't mean like put, music onto a blank CD, we threw our CDs into a fire. (laughs) It was a thing that happened in youth group, and I think, did I need to do that? And at the time, I still believe that the answer is yes, I did. Not because I was trying to prove a moral point, but because something was happening in me where I needed to say, if Jesus calls me to... sacrifice something, even if it's meaningful to me. I want to be able to say yes to it. So it was purposeful for my walk for reasons that I didn't understand until 20 years had passed. It was purposeful not for the reason that I believed at a moment, but as time passed, I see that it was purposeful for some other thing. And so if we can incorporate, maybe, I don't know, I can't call it, in our hearts, in our walks, it will help us to cope with things that are very complicated, like grief, like pain, like a breakup. Because if we rush to the answer and if we think that life happens at the speed of Googling things, that took, I don't know, that took maybe 20 seconds before an answer that was meant to draw us into mystery had, some, had something concrete and we could put it to rest. We know what the answer is. And I don't think we're meant to put every question to rest. So that's track one of now this is what I call Sermons Volume 24. Track two is something called the Musashi Protein. I love talking about this because as I went to school to s- study narrative Eology. I stumbled across this super weird reality that points out the fact that when you forget things, many of us think that it's a passive thing that's happening, that your brain just can't hold everything, that you're too busy, and the musashi protein actually helps us learn that when we forget anything, it is not a passive action, it's actually active. There's a protein that we have in our brains that its sole job is to take the data that comes in from the things that you see, from the conversations that you have, from the flood of things that are poured into our eyes and ears, and it says, what of all of this is important to hold on to? And it throws out most of it because your body only has so much energy. And when you take something into your brain, it actually costs your body energy. And so it says, I can't take all of it in. Imagine if you could actually recall the f- f- faces of everybody that you saw at Costco, on, in traffic, all of these things. If you could recall all of those things and your brain had to actually hold it, that's what's called photographic memory. And they actually have done studies with people that literally have photographic memory and they talk about it as torture. That they hold all of this and they can't get rid of all the things that they saw and they are exhausted by the things that they constantly have in their mind. Many of us, myself included, wish that I just had moments of photographic memory, that I could remember things a little bit better. But the people who actually have this have a very underactive musashi protein. And I, and I took all of that sort of, I was, really, I was really interested in that because what happens when we talk about stories, when we're invited into somebody's story, when somebody is teaching you something in front of a class and they just pull up a PowerPoint and they go, Point one is this, point two is this. It doesn't take me more than 45 seconds before I'm checked out. I'm thinking about lunch. I'm thinking about whatever else. I need to rescue myself from this moment by being distracted. So when somebody's doing a boring presentation, and the minute they start talking about... So I was at the beach the other day, and they start talking about a story. Pay attention to what happens inside you when somebody that's talking about something boring starts to share a story notice how in, in like unintentionally you sort of perk up you pay closer attention something about hearing somebody package something into a story is is it actually draws upon this when you hear a s- story when somebody starts telling you about their week rather than just putting up details the interesting thing is they've actually had people's brains hooked up as they're hearing things. And it says that when somebody invites you into a story, it bypasses the moose-ashi protein. It like goes in the back door of a person's brain. It, it bypasses this mechanism that causes a person's brain to say, I can throw out most of this. It's a brain hack. You want to hack somebody's brain? Sounds good, right? Hack somebody's brain by telling them and inviting them into a story. And the beautiful thing is, I think that when we think about our life in Christ, how much of it is an invitation into a to a story. And so I started to look at the techniques that Pixar has. So Pixar has these six great uh, six rules for great storytelling. And before I get to that, as I would coach people into how to actually utilize s- s- storytelling for their own um, discipleship, I would encourage people to come up with kind of a three versions of every s- story. And so if you have a major question or if you haven't ever done this, or this is just a fun practice. If you had to sum up what you think the, Im- the invitation of Jesus Christ is? Could you do it if you narrowed it to under 240 characters in a, like a tweet, which I think they're now like 10,000 characters. I'm not on Twitter or is it X now? I don't know anything about anything. But if could you narrow it into a two-sentence thing? So that's one version. And then the next one is the elevator pitch. If a person was on the elevator and you had a, minute to articulate this, could you? Could you articulate what the invitation is? And then the third one that people don't often have the chance to do, but I do, because I'm up here, is the longer form, sort of half an hour, if you could really talk it out. And so I came up with like a tweet version of what I think the invitation is. So if I could pull up that slide. I think the invitation for all... Yeah, everyone just appreciate I was so proud of myself making this graphic last night. I was very happy. I, I entertained myself. I'm just making myself laugh at home. It's not important. It's, I make myself happy. The invitation for all is to be at the table as co-creators in God's story of restoring wholeness and shalom to the broken relationships we have with ourselves, with each other, the planet, and God, not through our earning or goodness, but through the life and death of Jesus Christ. I think that for me is is kind of the tweet, right? And so what I think here is that that is sort of the tweet version of what I want to talk about today, that we are invited into God's story. Where are we in the arc of all things being restored? If you had to pause and say like, this relationship is broken. This person who I spent so much time with is not talking to me right now. My job feels like this. I'm feeling the weight of this loss. Where are you in the story, the grand arc that says all things are being restored? That that is his hope. Where are you participating? How are we putting our ear to the ground and saying, where am I called to participate in those things of all things being restored? So when we talk about our life in Christ, do we see it as an invitation into a list? Or do we see it as an invitation into a story happening that happened long before us and will continue after us? Olympians 4.8 is this portion of text. Let me see if this is where I put my marker today. It is. That's exciting. Um, Olympians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the context for this is Paul is actually addressing two women in the church who are having an argument. And they were they were they were kind of pressing against each other. And he's asking them to find that universal thing that they share with each other. Things that are no worthy. Things that are noble, things that are Right, things that are pure. What is it that is connecting us? I had a, um, I heard a story this week about a boy who is uh, 10, and he was being teased for how he talked. And I realized that I have the ability to connect with that story, somebody being 10, being teased, better than most people, right? I have a unique ability to connect with that part of him. And I was th- thinking that that is a great opportunity for me to kind of partner with him in that. But at the same time, when we actually say like, if that's not your experience, we have an opportunity to say, but don't all of us have the ex- 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 experience of wishing we connected with other people and something Gotten away that we feel like we can't fully control. Is there something that interrupts our desire? Are there unmet longings where we have nothing but to just sort of weep on our own? There's the there's these things that that connect all of us into that larger s- story in Pixar's first rule of great s- s- storytelling is that all great s- stories are un- universal. Not that everybody has the exact same ways that it plays out, but we all share in these things that, that everybody else has too. And I think that sometimes, especially what I would hope for as a community of people that are claiming the name of Christ, that we would remember that because I think that we are about to enter into a... S- of a um, election, right? And if we forget that the people who are on the other side are made in His image, if we forget that everybody is worthy of dignity and honor, and believe me, some people would love it if you've forgot that part of it, as. God's people, we have an opportunity to prepare now. And I think that for many of us, we have good reasons why we've created boundaries from people who have been hurtful. I'm not saying that you let go of boundaries. I'm saying that there's something even in the text, in our walk with Christ that calls us to say, we can pay attention to the things that would push us apart, or we can see that every single person you see is made in God's image. No exceptions at all. Everybody is. They're worthy of dignity and honor. And so what part of you, how can we restore our imaginations to say, this person who I'm seeing that drives me crazy or that I can't, Imagine anything positive about them. What are the what is the universal s- story that we might sh- share? Is there anything? Because if there is anything, Paul says search for it. If if it says, if at all possible, live at peace with each other. If at all possible, which means exhaust the options. Exhaust the options. So if we really believed that, that we are invited into a a story, that we can actually use storytelling and invite other people into ours as a tool to get past that part of people's minds that would want to categorize things as unimportant, I think that we should do that. Um, I grew up with uh, my my best friend growing up um, was a deviant. And I connected with people that were like off the rails because I, I never felt like I got to be that person. And so I was like, I'll go hang out with you in your chaos. And then when you start to have arguments with your parents, I'll go home. But I would hang out with him. He was uh, in a juvenile hall in sixth grade for... St- Stealing a car, and when I was in sixth grade, I couldn't get—I couldn't get in trouble if I tried, and so I thought it was so. Um, he was just such an interesting person, but I think n- now I was so connected, and so drawn to him, um, and the reason why I can look at him now and I can think of how much love and appreciation that I have for him is because I know his story. And I wonder how much we actually know each other. I wonder how much we really have taken time to sit across from each other. Because we have time here, but there's no way that you'll know somebody's story that's in this room from a 10-minute passing by before church or the thing that is always said, we should get coffees It's time. And then you both know that that's not ever going to happen. and You just go, yeah, great. Sounds good. And then you move on. But I would really encourage you, we will become better at showing grace and tenderness and hospitality and all of these things when we know each other truly. When we actually say like, hey, I want to know what has broken you. A really great question, if you want to cut through all of the crap, is where is... Your pain. If you want to just ask a person, "Where's your pain?", they'll tell you. They'll tell you if if they think that you're actually willing to make room. So I would encourage you, as a as a community of people, to learn each other's stories and invite people to learn yours also. At Pentecost, um, in Acts two said when the spirit is poured out, it says, in those days, I will give dreams. I would encourage you that as we move forward, and I wanted to talk about what it is that we do with this duck hunt, musashi sashi protein, weird, convoluted, nothing's connecting sort of Ermin, and I would encourage you that we just, make more room for mystery. We make more room to just invite people into your story because when you hear somebody else's story and when you actually know what they've been through and who they are all of a sudden doing the hard work of being patient with people does get easier. I'm able to show a Dan mercy for all Ways that he's messed up because I walked with him. He invited me into this story of how broken his home was, and on the surface of things, he was a problem to be solved. He was an issue. It wasn't until I I was invited into who he is that he became something of, of not just something that I understood, but something of beauty. I love him. In spite of all of these th- things, because I was invited into his s- s- story, and I think that's also why in Proverbs it says to lean not on your own understanding. Right? It says, here, let's just <coughs> read it. So let's go to Proverbs three, verse five through six, and we'll close with this. So worship team can come back up, and we'll close with this. There we go. I'm going to do Proverbs. this chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Right? How are we living our life in in Christ to where we actually make enough room for mystery that we don't trust in our own ways, right? Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. We have an opportunity to actually embrace what I think all of us know is true, that, most of the things that come up in our life and in our walk with Christ, we, if we were honest, we would say, "I can't call it. I don't know." There's tragedies that happen, and I go, "It's it. It is horrible." And then there are life that springs up through the concrete, and I don't know how it works, and I don't have every answer. And any pastor that tells you other. Why is it trying to sell you something? I'm and I'm so grateful for pastors Barb, Danny, Mary, who are all people that will invite you into the mystery and into the story and into the beauty of getting to be a community that is for each other because you know each other's s- stories. So I'm going to close our time in prayer, and then we have an opportunity to take Communion. If you've not taken communion with us here before, we also do the bitter herbs, and the words that we say over the herbs is the bitterness of sin and death. And then we also have grape juice and wine. And so, be sure to read this sign on the table so that you don't accidentally um, have a surprise if you are trying to abstain or. You, you just don't want that. And so let's close in prayer and then we'll have a time to take communion with each other. Lord, it can be so often that we come into church in the same sort of anxiety of trying to figure a life out can trail us here. It can trail us here and, and we don't have answers to things that we wish we had answers to. And we come desperate, wishing things would resolve themselves, or would you enlarge our capacity to hold the things we don't know? Enlarge our capacity to be people of mystery. Enlarge our capacity to say, I don't know, and strip away the the shame that exists in our culture of not knowing. Free us from the bondage of needing to be certain of everything all the time. Lord, help us to not run so quickly away from really purposeful questions and grieving and low places. Help us to be like a Moses, that we would walk into the thick darkness where you are us to see how to do that well and Lord would we do it linked arms as a community knowing that we're not alone in that walking in that moving forward Lord would we see that you have called us to do it in community would you still the anxious hearts that I center in a room even if it's just mine Lord would you still be things in this room as we hold our hands out show us Lord how to trust you better how to read your word more faithfully and how to lean forward in compassion and grace knowing that every person we encounter is somebody that you love that you I died for, carries your image and is worthy of honor and dignity help us to lean forward with that first so that the church your church could be a haven from the cold would you soften our hearts because our hearts can get so hard so quick would you help our hearts to stay soft even though that puts us at risk for heartache keep us people with s- soft hearts lord when we sense them closing off surround us with people that would re- remind us to not harden so that the so that any seed that would fall on this soil would be able to multiply help us lord to do your work your way pray these things. Amen.